You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. My name is Father Tim Smith. And I'm Thomas Escrow. And we're broadcasting live this morning from Sacred Heart Parish in Aberdeen, South Dakota, the very heart and center of the Real Presence Radio listening family as we share the truth and God's glory all throughout the upper Midwest, from the Dakotas to Minnesota, parts of Wisconsin, Wyoming, and even in little bits of Montana, we know that we are proclaiming the truth of our Catholic faith, and so that you know you are accompanied in the journey towards holiness. And today is actually a pretty big day for Real Presence Radio right here in Aberdeen, South Dakota, as tonight we have their first in Aberdeen, uh, Real Presence Radio fundraising banquet. And in the house, in the city, not right here right now, but is Dr. David Anders from the EWTN show called to communion. So I had the pleasure of picking him up from the airport yesterday and dropping him off at the hotel. And I have to say, I was a little starstruck at being around one of these big national EWTN guys. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. And did he school you on any uh, matters of Catholic theology over the dinner table? You know, I thought about like picking his brain on different stuff, but nothing really came to mind and I didn't really want to put a bunch of pressure on him. Although it's so, it comes so naturally to him. Even you can tell from listening to Call to Communion, which airs 1 to 2 p.m. right here on Real Presence Radio Network. Do you like that little? Yeah. Good? Okay. <laughs> it comes so naturally to this guy. He just knows, you know, everything almost back and forth, but... He was telling us how he's actually, <laughs> he calls it cheating. He's got his, you know, uh, laptop in front of him during the show. And sometimes he like frantically searches for things on the Thomistic Institute or, you know, searches some catechism quote that he knows. But um, it's a pleasure to listen to this guy. If you've never listened to Call to Communion, I've only listened to the live show a couple times, but I podcast it all the time, which you can do from EWTN or Real Presence Radio. It's just such a blessing to the, the universal church, what this guy can do and, and the mission of EWTN as a whole. And I'm grateful for, uh, you know, great evangelists like uh, all those who are part of our EWTN listening family. And we have these banquets like we do tonight here in Aberdeen all over the list, Real Presence Radio listening area at different times. You can you know, stay tuned to your local calendars and to see when we're going to have some of those other personalities from the EWTN uh, you know, listening family that are going to be on coming to your area. You can have a meal with them. You can hear them, uh, meet them in person, shake their hand, let them know how grateful for you are for what they've done with you so that you can understand the mysteries of faith better. I'm also grateful for Dr. Anders because of his precise use of language in Catholic theology, because oftentimes we might mishear something or misquote something, but, you know, precision, it is important. And when we speak about the faith, speak about sacred scripture, and of course, it's misunderstandings or miscommunication that oftentimes lead to a misunderstanding of why we do what we do in our Catholic faith. And so, so grateful for Dr. Anders. I'm glad he's going to be with us tonight for the Real Presence Radio Banquet. So right now, we're bringing to you our Straight Talk segment. This is the segment, each uh, Real Presence Live, where you can call in with your questions. Maybe you've called into Dr. Anders before, and now you have another question that you'd like to call into our very own Father Tim Smith. 
So you can call in with your question in this next half hour on our Straight Talk segment by simply calling 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. And we'd be happy to hear your questions. You can also submit a question to us on Facebook. If you're at your desk or, or something and you can't uh, and you can't make a phone call, feel free to go on to Facebook and to the Real Presence Radio Network. Find them on Facebook and submit your question for the Straight Talk segment there. And I'll be uh, be first to humbly submit to you that I am no Dr. David Anders. <laughs> I definitely don't have a Ph.D. in Catholic theology, um, but I am a priest of God in the church, and I'm certainly faithful to all the teachings of our Catholic faith. And, of course, right here on Real Presence Radio, I'm often strengthened by all the great programs that we have, whether it's Catholic Answers Live, Called to Communion, um, of course, Women of Grace, all these great shows that proclaims the teachings of our Catholic faith. You know, Thomas, uh, there's been a great article I've read recently, one of my priest friends sent to me, about a number of priests. I think one of them was Monsignor Charles Pope, a popular columnist in the Catholic world. Um, But I know there's another article about priests who have been talking about wearing their cassock. And uh, Thomas is in studio with me, and uh, if you could see that I'm wearing my cassock today. And of course, a lot of these priests, they've talked about, of course, this is proper clerical wear. You might see your priest from time to time. But sometimes I get the question from parishioners, well, they'll say to me, Father, why do you wear that dress? Because they might may not have seen it. They may not have seen uh, their pastor or their priest in the past, but they may have noticed some of the younger clergy um, wear the cassock. The cassock is a clerical garb. Sometimes you see Catholic priests wearing a, bl- a, a black shirt with a white collar, and then sometimes you see them wearing a longer black garment that is, uh, it, it's not, not a dress, but it's a, a cassock is the proper term for it. And of course, uh, some of these great articles from Monsignor Pope and several others have really spoken about how not only is the cassock very functional for the priest, it's something that I wear underneath the alb when I celebrate Holy Mass, but Thomas and, and, and the other, these other priests have made comments as well, and I give similar testimony, it's very comfortable. <laughs> and it's, uh, I've had a busy weekend celebrating Masses, and, and uh, I had a confirmation at one of my parishes for, for one of my parishioners who was in need of receiving that sacrament. And so I was a, it was a busy weekend. Monday morning, you know, for me, I celebrated Mass early today, and I said, I'm going to put on the, I'm, I'm putting on my cassock. This is not only uh, proper to me as a priest, but also it, uh, it really is something that's easy and functional for me as I begin my day. And also, uh, I know some of our listeners all around the area, you may see some clergy sometimes wearing that cassock, and you might wonder, what's up with that? Well, that's one of the, one of the two ways of priests wearing their clerical garb. And of course, it's an outward sign of our consecration to God, uh, you know, as members in the clerical state, that we are, you know, avowed and living our life, you know, in union with Jesus. And so... You might not want to go up to the priest and say, why are you wearing that dress? I'm sure you appreciate those kinds of comments. <laughs> well, I get those questions all the time, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give yeah. an explanation yeah, yeah. as well, too. And, of course, uh, there's also questions. Some parishes have their altar servers that wear, uh, wear cassocks as well. Mm-hmm. Some parishes wear an alb, you know, uh, the general instruction of the Roman Missal, which basically gives Catholics the instructions on why we do what we do when we're having Mass, Thomas. You know, 
no priest or, or parish just makes up these things on themselves. We follow the traditions that have been given to us by Holy Mother Church. And of course, even for garments for those who serve those uh, parts of the Mass, it says an alb or some other similar garment can be worn as a sign that, you know, when we celebrate Mass, we're not just going to wear our jeans and t-shirts around, that the vestiture, the signs, the symbols, all of us draw us closer around the Holy Eucharist and the great mighty sacrifice of the Mass. And so it's such a beautiful thing for us. You know, if you have questions about the Catholic faith, you have questions about why do we do that at Mass, um, give us a call right here at Straight Talk. The number is 877-795-0122. Again, 877-795-0122. And the point of this Straight Talk segment is for you to call in with some of your questions you might have on the Catholic faith. If we don't have an answer for you, we'll get back to you and get you another answer later in the week, or we can direct you to some of the resources like Catholic Dot com, Catholic Answers, Call to Communion with Dr. David Anders, who's on every afternoon right here on Real Presence Radio, so that you can get your questions answered. Now, Thomas, I have a question for you. You're an evangelist. You're someone who is involved in the life of the church. You know, during Mass, every Sunday, but mm-hmm. at every celebration of the Eucharist, we have the sign of peace, which is part of the Mass. You know, how is the sign of peace for you? I had, a, uh, not long ago, I was talking to a member of the church, and they said, Father, at times I'm distracted during that time. It seems like mm-hmm. we just had the consecration of the Eucharist, mm-hmm. and then we have this sign of peace where we're saying, peace be with you. Mm-hmm. What What is your experience of the sign of peace at Mass? Uh, nothing but pure chaos. No. <laughs> well, you have your, you have your kids, you So know? I'm sitting there with my wife and my three small children, and my kids love the sign of peace. I think because for so much of Mass, we're trying to, to tell them to watch, to listen, to pray, not to tackle each other, <laughs> you know. And um, and the sign of peace is sort of like this moment where it's like, okay, break yourself out of your own shell. Even for me, break myself out of my own personal shell, my personal prayer, and recognize I'm not here alone. I'm here with everyone else in the community. And so my wife and I share a kiss I shake, you know, my or I give my kids a hug and I shake the hands of those around me and, and wish them a sign of peace. So this last summer, my wife and I actually went through Catechesis of the Good Shepherd training together, which is a, a catechetical uh, Montessori-based method for catechesis for small children. And it was really interesting because they went through some of the different um, um, the different things that are done during the Mass, you know, such as um, the Epiclesis where the father, you know, brings his hands down and calls down the Holy Spirit over the gifts. And then the doxology or the offering where father lifts up the host back up and offering them back to the father. And then in the training, they talked about how these two have been connected with the gesture of the sign of peace, where we extend our hands outward in shaking the hands or giving a hug or some other sign of, of welcoming and of peace to those around us. These three gestures together make a cross, Mm. right? Of coming down and back up and over and across. And that was just like beautiful and profound. I never even thought about that before, but how the gestures of the mass, they're all intricately connected, you know, and um, catechesis of the good shepherd really shoots or aims to start teaching our kids, even from as young as three years old, what is happening in the mass so that they can not only understand it, but to also live it. 
it's such a beautiful way of encouraging that experience of prayer in the Mass and, and also the signs and symbols. You know, one thing for me, Thomas, as I pointed uh, this parishioner to as well, is the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You know, in 1345 of the Catechism, it speaks and it has a quotation from St. Justin Martyr. And so in the year 155, think of this. At this time, there would have been Christians who would have said, my grandpa saw Jesus mm-hmm. when he came through my village. Think about how close close that was to the to the time of Jesus's death and resurrection and at the celebration of the Eucharist Saint Justin Martyr in the catechism he explains what they did and included in there he says when the prayers are concluded we exchange the kiss we exchange that sign of peace mm-hmm. it goes through all the other moments of the major parts of the mass the liturgy of the word the introductory rites also that time of the celebration of the Eucharist and also the communion rite as well but it goes to show that the traditions of our faith and how we celebrate the Mass, even that sign of peace is rooted in the church's tradition. And so, of course, we don't ever want it to be a huge, distracting uh, love fest where it be, you could take it too far. So you want to use some prudence in how you share that sign of peace. Teach your children that as well. While at the same time, too, recognizing this is part of the church's tradition. Yeah. And so one of the things that can always help us understand the liturgy more is more study. And so there's great resources teaching about the Mass, the Liturgical Institute in Mundelein. They have some great online videos which are free for you to understand those parts of the Mass. Or like Thomas, like you said, becoming involved in apostolate like the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd and understanding how you can catechize and teach your children about the Mass also strengthens our experience and understanding of the faith as well. Maybe maybe you have a question about the Mass or some other function of the Catholic faith. This is our Straight Talk segment on Real Presence Live. Uh, where you can ask your question by simply calling 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122. You know, Father, speaking of the sign of peace, um, every year it seems that we get into flu season. Oh, yeah. Right? And then that part of the Mass isn't, I don't know how to say it, isn't essential to the liturgy. It's sort of like an optional. And so sometimes Bishop will say, you know, for the... Looking out for the health of our people, we're going to suspend the sign of peace for a period of time um, in order to try to reduce the spread of germs and things like that. And I understand the practical reasoning for doing that, but I sort of miss it every flu season when we don't have the sign of peace. That's interesting, you know, and that is very true. It is something that can be omitted. Of course, we just spoke about the, the, the rich symbolism, also the, the in the tradition of the church, of that sign of peace, but also recognizing, too, um, that you're going to be able to have that omitted from the Mass, particularly at times. You know, during those periods of times as well, you know, if you, if you attended the Eucharist in some uh, Asian countries uh, that are, you know, in East Asia, you might notice that how they reverence one another with the sign of peace might be, you know, a folding of the hands and a mere sort of like a head nod to one another. I was in a parish in Toronto, Canada one time, which was largely in, in a, a basically in Chinatown in mm. the city of Toronto, very multicultural city. And in this one particular parish, I noticed how the people there who have their origins from, you know, the eastern part of the world and the sign of peace there, that was the custom in that particular parish, even here in North America. Mm-hmm. But that's something as well. So you can also see that, you know, around the the church universal, 
that there's different customs as well and sharing that sign of peace in the life of the church. Perhaps you have a question about the Mass or you have a question about our Catholic faith or maybe you're struggling in your faith and you'd like to have some clarity on how you can pray or deepen your relationship with Jesus, give us a call, 877-795-0122. We talk about topics relating to the Catholic faith, um, perhaps offer you some encouragement, but also maybe some clarity There's a lot of resources out there, and particularly with the advent of new technology, sometimes it can be confusing. Mm. You know, uh, recently, Thomas, there was a question uh, that this is, you know, a national kind of issue, not just in our Catholic faith, but on the topic of education. With all the new media, with all the new technology, for some of our children and young people, sometimes it's difficult for them to distinguish between an actual fact or something that is just mere opinion. So that's happening in the in the in the universal scale, out even within the life of the church. So we're living in the culture. We're breathing this in, Thomas. The same thing influences the life of the church. Mm. There are many websites. There are many things that that, that say, I'm a Catholic. I believe this. I'm a blogger. I believe this. I'm a Twitter person. I do this. Mm -hmm. We have here at Real Presence Radio, we connect you to all the great resources from EWTN, Catholic Answers, all these great resources. But there are other things floating around on YouTube, on the internet, on the blogosphere that may not be speaking on behalf of the church, but may be commenting or may be opinion rather than fact. Thomas, as an evangelist, how do you, how do you enter into that work? Because that can be a challenge at times. What do you do when someone says, I read this, is this real or how do I understand that? Right. Well, that, you're so right that there's so much, there's a wealth of information out there. And it's a beautiful thing with technology and the ability, even the ability for us to sit right here and speak to five states <laughs> and really the whole world. If you can listen on the Real Presence Radio um, uh, website or app that you're listening live, we're able to connect all throughout the world. But it's so easy to get misinformation or for people to sort of spout off about this topic or that topic. And so, you know, we're very careful about where our sources are. And I have this conversation with, you know, students or teenagers or even other catechists that are trying to find an answer for something. And um, the beautiful thing is, you know, we have a lot of very good reputable sources that we can go to. And um, there's so much good information out there that, you know, if something seems off or even if the source seems strange um, to double check it, you know, so I'll often say, okay, well, let's go, Find, you know, what what does Dr. Scott Hahn have to say about this particular issue? Or I've heard that from Dr. David Anders on the radio, so let's double check um, whatever statement or, or opinion. And, you know, people are entitled to their opinions, and it's okay that someone can put their opinion out there, but we need to be able to draw a distinction between opinion and teaching or dogma or, um, or even tradition, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's an important to, because I think so for so many of our young people, um, that line is blurred between opinion and fact. Like, if they can make an argument, you, if you can make an argument, it has to be in like a meme form, you know, or uh, or as long as a tweet. If you can't make your point in 140 characters, then it's not worth it to them, you know. And so part of it is training our young people to th- think deeply to be willing to go deeply and search profoundly for answers to their questions. And not every question can be answered in 140 characters, you know? It's true that there can be... 
time of confusion, my encouragement to a lot of our listeners is to go back to sacred scripture, spend that time, go... Things that we can never spend enough time doing is spending time with the Word of God, reading sacred scripture. You know, uh, there's a great line from uh, Claude Colombiere, which uh, the abandonment to divine province, a spiritual classic, which many of our listeners may have read in their life. I encourage you to read it, abandonment to divine Provi- uh, providence, and it speaks about one does not quench one's thirst by reading about books about drinking one quenches one thirst by actually drinking water you know you don't read books that treat of that condition you actually dive in and drink and the one way we can always drink from the stream of god's loving truth is from the sacred scriptures so spend more time reading sacred scripture the other thing the font of revelation that's given to us as members of the church is to drink from the streams of the church's tradition, the other mode of revelation we receive. And so the catechism of the Catholic Church, start there before we spend all that time seeking out things. You know, another great saint, St. Teresa of Calcutta, uh, of course, Mother Teresa, had a great saying and something she noticed in her work with the missionaries of charity. She said that people are so hungry that at times they'll even eat rolled up mud on the ground rather than just to fulfill that hole that's in their stomach. You know, for every one of us at times, when we're searching for truth or we have this longing for peace of mind and happiness, we might reach for the things that might incite us to our imaginations. It might be something that gets my emotions excited. But the thing that will really satisfy me is the peace and the wholeness that comes from God's truth and God's revelation. And so if I find myself getting caught up in the Twitter sphere, if I get caught up in the blogosphere, or if I get caught up in the, in the gossip mill, even if it's church gossip, you know, I say that's not going to satisfy that what I was made to be filled with, which was God's goodness and truth. St. Teresa of Calcutta knew it. You know, all the saints knew it. Is turn to the Lord. And of course, the encouragement, something we can all do is go to your parents. Spend some time before the Blessed Sacrament. If you're struggling, you know, continue to seek, but ask for that peace of heart because that restlessness, that disturbance, that is not the Spirit of God. You know, St. Ignatius of Loyola would talk about the different ways that the, the work of the Lord is in our lives. We might be experiencing desolation. We want to stay committed to Christ. We want to stay committed to God and just can spend that time with the Lord and rather being distracted or discouraged in our spiritual life. You know, if you have a question on the Catholic faith, if you're looking for answers, if you're looking for help on where you can get that peace of mind, get that strength, I'm here with Evangelist Thomas Escrow. We're at Sacred Heart Parish in Aberdeen. My name's Father Tim Smith, and this is your time to call. It's 877-795-0122. That's 877-795-0122 for Straight Talk. There's still some several minutes. You can also go on Facebook and send us a message on Real Presence Radio Live on Facebook. You can submit a question. We're happy to answer those questions right here on Real Presence Radio. Again, 877-795-0122. Father, it looks like we have a listener that emailed in a question. And so the emailed question says, where would someone go if they died in mortal sin wearing the brown scapular? Okay, so this question is actually about this idea of the brown scapular, which in a private revelation, it's it's often, you see this written on the scapular devotion. First off, 
what is a scapular? A scapular is a uh, brown cloth with two strings that uh, connects it. A person can wear it over their back and their breastplate. It's often given to children when they make their first communion traditionally, and it's in devotion to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary. And what's written on there is also something that comes from the private revelation in the church's tradition to St. Simon Stock, which says, um, something along the lines, don't quote me exactly on this, but whomever is clothed with this garment will, shall not suffer eternal fire, you know. So this is a private, you know, revelation within the life of the church. Of course, one thing we know, and this is part of the doctrine and the teaching of the faith, Thomas, mm-hmm. is that the church's sacramentals, which is what a what a Scapular. What scapular is, is not a sacrament. Right. The same way that holy water... So this is a similar thing to answer this question as well. Some people would say, well, I sprinkled some fo- holy water on my loved one's head, but even though they hated God and they, they said they don't want to be involved in church anymore. But I think maybe that sprinkle of holy water is going to make all the difference and they can go to heaven. I want to avoid people believing in things as well as that mm-hmm. because that puts too much stock in, not to say it's superstitious, but the fact is this. As members of the church, we believe in sacramental grace and that real forgiveness of sins that fills us with sanctifying grace that brings us the promise of eternal salvation comes from the saving sacraments of the church. And so for someone who is in need of, they're in a serious state of sin and they need to be purified, what I would say is that, uh, you know, sacramental reconciliation, the last rites, receiving the sacrament of anointing of the sixth, those are the ways that Jesus himself has given us to receive the forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. That being said, listeners, do not despair the salvation of the people that you love who perhaps died under any number of circumstances, but they may have been wearing a scapular. You know, that that does also show an outward sign of faith. And so I can point to another revelation of St. John Vianney. Talk, there's a story of a woman who came to St. John Vianney and said she was despairing over the loss of her husband. He had committed suicide. And uh, there was St. John Vianney in revealed to this woman and said something along the lines of, do you remember the time when you were, you wanted to put up an image of the sacred heart of Jesus in your home? And, and the woman said, yes. And St. John Vianney said, what did he, your husband say? And she, she said, he said, I do not oppose it. And St. John Vianney said at the moment of his death, he repented and asked for the most sacred heart of Jesus. We do not know about the grace of final repentance that can be in someone's soul. So do not despair. But what I would encourage you is continue to educate and encourage one another. The fact that somebody would wear a scapular, if they did that voluntarily, it wasn't just laid on them or something. We don't do that. Our faith, as we have an intellect and a will, as Catholics, we must make decisions to follow God. And you cannot make these decisions for the people you love. Believe me, I know how hurt it is for parents, loved ones, family members, children, when you have someone you love, but they do not want to return that love to God. Mm. But we cannot force that. Each one of us are free agents. We must make that decision for ourselves. This is a hard truth, brothers and sisters, but it's out of love that I tell you that because we do not, our Catholic faith is not merely just actions of superstition, but it's rooted in the sacramental truths of our faith and the doctrine of the faith. And so talk to your pastor, your priest, your deacon for encouragement if you're struggling with questions like this, because ultimately sacraments bring us God's grace 
healing, and strength. You know, Father, another question that this question points to is that it says, where would someone go if they died in mortal sin? So what is mortal sin? What is our understanding as Catholics of mortal? What makes a sin mortal? Mortal sin is full knowledge, full consent of someone deliberately making a decision to choose to do something against God. And so I don't know whatever someone did, if they had full knowledge, full consent, if they fully understand that what whatever actions they were committing even place them in mortal sin. And part of that is to understand that when I do this action, that I am actually severing my relationship with God and with others. And so full knowledge, full consent of the will, you know, uh, I'll give you an example, Thomas. You know, my work, I've done a lot of work with people in addictions and struggling alcoholics. So as pastoral ministry, that's something I've been a part of in my life for a long time. I've worked with youth, I've worked with adolescents, and I've worked with adults and even criminals in the criminal justice system. But oftentimes a person in a horrible addiction, at a certain point in time, their intellect and will, it becomes diminished. They're still responsible, they're still culpable for the sins and things that they commit. But at certain times, you know, there is a certain diminished culpability in that because of their intellect is diminished and their will, their free will is impeded. So that's one example of many. Mm. It could be just pure ignorance of knowledge of God and law. And surprisingly, there are a lot of people, even though we do a great amount of work in trying to teach, promote, share the Catholic faith, our Catholic educators, schools, all these things, CCD programs, and at time to time, I still meet people who don't know anything about Jesus, who know nothing about God, who don't know about the Ten Commandments, and they're looking for another way. So the onus is on us also to continue to proclaim the truths of the gospel. It's better for them to understand the truths of God's faith than continue to live in the dark and not know. And that's also one of the temptations of the modern era, is to not proclaim the gospel thinking, well, we do more harm to people. That's a false error. We want to continue to proclaim the truths of our Catholic faith because Jesus came to set the captives free. And maybe you're out there listening, or maybe you tuned into Real Presence Radio by accident. Or you're listening today and you hear Father talk about mortal sin as being a grave thing that severs our relationship with God, something that's done with full knowledge that you know about it, and full consent to the will that you chose to do it. And you're like, oh, crap, that describes me. Well, brothers and sisters, there's no need uh, to despair because the beautiful sacrament that our church, that Jesus Christ gave us, the sacrament of reconciliation, is the means by which God seeks to restore you into relationship with him. That that mortal sin, through the merits of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, his passion, death, and resurrection, you have the ability for your sin to be forgiven and that mortal sin to be wiped away and the relationship that you have with God to be restored. Father, are you putting in a lot of time in the box this Advent season? Well, we had a wonderful penance service. Uh, Even though we had some bad weather last night, we still had plenty of people of all ages come to receive that sacrament of forgiveness. And I know that is true in all our parishes and all our listening areas. Now is the time. Check your parish bulletin and look and see where there's an opportunity for you to receive that sacrament of forgiveness that comes to us from Jesus. And of course, we read in John chapter 20, 20, when Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And so the message me and Thomas speak of today on this segment of Real Presence Live is not one of condemnation. It's one of freedom. 
It's one of sanctifying grace. It's one of being fully alive in the Lord. And that is the message of our Catholic faith. That is the message that the Lord Jesus wants to give us, is to fill us with his grace and mercy so that we can be fully alive in God's love, so that we can be witnesses to holiness, because that is what all those who have handed on the faith to us have done for us, have shown us how God's grace is fully alive in our hearts. The grace of the Holy Spirit. And that was the message of John the Baptist in Sunday's Gospel yesterday. Repent for the kingdom kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can live heaven right now on this earth by living in that state of grace, sanctifying grace that makes you holy. You can seek out to live out your vocation. No matter what God has put you in, you can live a life of holiness and radical submission to God's will. Thank you for all those who wrote in uh, their questions or emailed in their questions. Reminder that this segment, Straight Talk, comes to you every day, Monday to Friday at 930 Central Time. Up next, we will find out if there is a connection between stewardship and the season of Advent. And later in the show, there are some fun events we will hear about on our 10-minute tour. We are broadcasting live from Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Aberdeen, South Dakota. I'm Thomas Escrow. My name is Father Tim Smith. Stay tuned here on Real Presence Live. Real Presence Live. 